Are you hungry for more? You know what life has to offer. You sense it is radiating magic, but perhaps you feel like you're just not fully nourished by all there is to embody. Well, you're exactly where you're supposed to be, here and now, just what the doctor ordered. Welcome to the conversation, Well and Why, where we feast on fuel for the soul. These topics are designed to ignite that fire and maximize our human potential. Together, we can heal the system. Alone, we can heal our bloodline. Bon appetit. Welcome back to Well and Why, a spiritually nutritious production. I'm your host, Allie, and this is where we talk all things lifestyle design, the growth mindset, and it is inspired by wellness. I just wanted to give a quick little shout out to my friend Vernon. He is episode 49, the most recent episode up until this one. He suggested this microphone and this equipment called Focusrite. I think we could probably all agree, if we've been tuning in, that my equipment could use an upgrade. And um, yeah, so here we are, a year and a half in, and it felt like that was a good little well and why gift to myself and to you listeners. (laughs) However... I'm definitely feeling a little self-conscious because it picks up everything my mouth does. So that's fun. But this week's episode is with Lori Gerber. She is an amazing life coach over at the Handel Group. And I was following along with her morning accountability calls, coaching calls for months during this pandemic. And I got to say, I really have no idea what I would have done without it. It's been life-changing. The content is brilliant. It's on point. And she dominates the conversation of being honest and truthful with yourself and with loved ones in your life. So that is what we touch on, obviously. We talk about when to be honest and speak your truth. We also discuss how Lori saved her marriage from a near divorce experience with a difficult conversation and one little promise and consequence. We also talk about how using the Handel method helps turn your inspiration into action and accountability to stop old patterns, which I think we could all agree have probably bubbled to the surface during this time, noticing just a little bit more of what we do and why we do it and when we do it during COVID and this pandemic. So it's it's a good time to really dig into the content that Handel Group talks about and their online coaching course and all of that jazz. We discuss all of it. So sit back, relax. Don't relax too hard if you're in the car driving. I see you. <laughs> but enjoy. Lori, thank you so much for being here as another coach from Handel Group Life Coaching that has partnered with me to share the wealth of information with my listeners. It is my pleasure to be here. So I've been attending your free 9 a.m. coaching calls that you host Monday through Friday for the last month and Handel along with all the special guests that you had on there. And they've all taught me really useful tools that are included in the online course Inner You Life. Can you please explain the activities and everything else that Inner You entails that helps students transform their lives? Oh my, what a wonderful question to be asked right off the bat. (laughs) So Inner You Life is the way in which we at Handel Group put all of our coaching into one online course. 
So we've been around in the coaching business for 15 years. We teach our methodology at MIT, at Stanford, at NYU. We teach, you know, to thousands and thousands of individuals. We work in companies. And we finally realized we needed a way to make our coaching method affordable for everyone and and accessible to everyone. So we put literally the entire coaching method with all of the exercises into digital format. So you listen to everything on audio at your own pace. You do all the written exercises that we give our private coaching clients. You get within interview life, you get private coaching, you get group coaching, you get tons of support. There's a buddy system. So it's really everything you need to coach yourself in any area of life, whether it's love, money, career, family, relationships, your relationship with yourself. Um, we'll take you through all of what you need to do to go from dream to reality. Amazing. And they're generally the same structured method, just using a different topic, right? Depending on what aspect of life. Right. Exactly. The first thing we do is what I call like a diagnostic. It's almost like a blood test for your life. If you go to the doctor and go, I don't know, I don't feel well, you know, the doctor will kind of look at everything. So we have a similar thing. The first thing we do when anyone comes to us for coaching, whether it's private coaching or inner you life or whatever it is, is we do a full on inventory of every area. So like I said, self, body, love, career, money, fun, spirituality, your home, your body. And we ask you, what's a 10 on a scale of one to 10 for you? A year from now, what's your ideal? Then we ask you to say, okay, if that's a 10, where are you now? Your current reality, what's the rating? Four, five, six, seven, whatever. And then why? So we hear from your heart, what is it really wanting? And we hear from your head, what is it thinking is the reason you can't have it or the reason things are the way that it that they are. And then after you do that whole comprehensive expose on yourself and your thoughts and your feelings, then you can decide which three to five areas you're going to focus on for a year. And sometimes as the client, I was of course a client before I became a coach, sometimes we pick the right areas and sometimes we don't. Sometimes the coach, you know, when you get your private coaching session says, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. I can't have you dive into fun or career right now. You're, you know, eating in a way that is having you completely checked out from your relationships and your heart and your dreams and your relationship to self. So we got to start first things first. Wow. Yeah, I bet a lot of us can relate to that, <laughs> especially right now. But thank you so much. Yeah, that's really helpful to help explain that to everybody. Um, I love how honest and open you are on the 9 a.m. calls every day. And can you explain what your mission is? Oh, yeah. My mission is to teach the world how to tell the truth. And uh, I'll never succeed. <laughs> I'll never succeed at that mission. Um, I'm going to teach you how to tell the truth, but I'm very, very present to the fact that human beings lie. We start lying. I don't know if it's in utero. We certainly lie as soon as we can talk. Um, studies show, I did a whole TEDx talk about this called the secret free diet and studies show that even pigeons lie. So lying seems to be almost fundamental to being alive. So we're not going to stop, right? I'm not going to actually teach the world to stop, but I am going to teach the world how to have fun telling the truth. That is my mission. I want to get to as many human beings as I can before I die. And of course, I'm my number one guinea pig. And my job is to catch myself lying each day and to out it and to have fun with it and have a sense of humor about it. Yeah, I love that. 
I've actually been practicing that since your 9 a.m. calls, and it's pretty nice. It's just like reaching out to someone and being uncomfortable, telling them something that you're thinking or or a little bit of something that you're shameful about in regards to your relationship and that you might have done. And it just like feels good, even if they don't really respond or their response. Sometimes their response is great, but it's been definitely helpful. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for being a guinea pig. Of course. Thank you. I've always wondered if you think there's anything as being too honest. Yeah, sure. Um, Actually, the Handel Method's definition of honesty is potentially not what you think. So honesty does not mean say every single thing you think all the time. (laughs) You literally don't have time. You don't have time. It wouldn't work out. You really don't need to comment on everyone's hair and outfit. Uh, It's not important. So what we want to focus on is your most important areas of life, your most important people in your life. And that usually gives you plenty to work on for ages. Right. And as you work on the most important people and the most important topics, the ones that talk to you, keep you up at night, you know, stir around in your idle moments, the more you work on those, the more you will find that you're not racking up as many new lies. So there is this sort of um, training or purification, you could say, where you, you stop building up or when you say one, you handle it right in the moment. You know, you catch yourself in the moment and you fix it in the moment. So that's the good news, but definitely don't say everything you ever think all the time and definitely do not use the handle method to excuse dumping your truth on someone versus what we would consider to be the best way to do it, which is to really think about it first. We have a whole, you know, seven step process for writing up what you want to say, for presenting what you want to say in a way that can be heard. Um, So it's, it's very specific when we say tell the truth, what we, what we mean by that. Okay, that's good to know because I'm someone who finds myself to be a little too honest sometimes with my sister and my mom especially, you know, the closest people to us. And I've definitely hurt feelings and felt really bad about it. And then you can't take it back, but you're like, I'm just being honest. (laughs) Right, right, which means I'm just dumping my truth on you. Uh, My rule, and this is a really good rule because, because, of course, depending on your agenda, you can convince yourself something is okay or not okay to say. And we are always having those conversations with ourselves like, oh, I don't have to say this because, or oh, I have to say this because. This is my rule. If it's in an important relationship and I say it to myself three times, so if I grumble in my head three times, I really don't think that was fair. I'm not sure I like how she's doing it. Or I, you know, I'm, I'm hurt about that thing. Or I really want to ask for that thing. The first time I have the thought, I try to make it go away. I do. I don't want to I don't want to have to have a difficult conversation because I know that means I have to write it out. I have to figure out my intention. I have to figure out what I can own. I have to think about it from their perspective. I have to set aside time. I have to listen to their response. I have to negotiate a solution. I mean, it is work, okay? So the first time I have a grumble, I just try to stop thinking it. The second time I have a grumble, I might even go to my coach for help or write it out or you know, do a purge and a talk back, which is module eight in inner you. But if I have it a third time, like if I can't make it go away, it means I have to do the whole process and go deal with it. And of course I never regret it. Even if the other person's like, Oh, no big deal. Or whatever happens, I'm always glad I did, but I give myself three grumbles before I have to go deal. That's a great rule. Yeah. Yeah. I think I needed to hear that. (laughs) 
it's the balance, right? It, it's a balance. So if you just have some stupid thought like, oh, I don't like how you're brushing your teeth, you know, you can let that go after one. <laughs> Makes sense. Or if you're just like doing one of your bad traits, you know, or you're, you know, you know, just pissy because you're not getting your way, you can let that go after two. Mm-hmm. Right. You got to three means mm, I have to actually talk it out and confess it. Right. What happens if when that person is your significant other and they don't brush their teeth well and it's affecting you? <laughs> well, that one I would do right away. Right? You do, that one I would do right away because you don't want the buildup, right? It, it's the analogy I give is, you know, someone's drowning in the pool and you don't throw them the life preserver or someone has uh, you know, spinach in their teeth and you don't tell them. My favorite story, actually, how I knew I wanted to marry my husband was when, did I tell you this story before? I feel like I, I tell people so. this story all the time. Is that one of the first things he said? We were about to make out for the first time, and he said, "We should go brush our teeth." And I'm like, <laughs> "What?" And he's like, "Yeah, you know." And basically, he told me I have bad breath. And we did go brush our teeth, and we did have a great makeout session. And not only all of that, but I like I think that was one of the one of the moments where I felt like, "Oh my gosh, this guy's going to be honest with me. He's not going to." let me drown in the pool with no life preserver. This is my guy. Even though I'm sure he was scared to say it. And I'm sure I didn't really want to hear it, but it was the truth. So those are the kind of things where someone is like actually looking bad where you want to do it quickly before you start to build up awkwardness, you know, a a shit list on people, you know, so you don't want to let that stuff build up. Right. Yeah. That makes sense because after a couple of minutes, after you realize something is, is in someone's teeth, you're like, is it too late? Right. Exactly. <laughs> what do I do now? Exactly. And it's great to also just establish that. That's why I love that my husband did that. He just established it at the beginning. So then it was like the set point. Once you start to step over things and not tell the truth about things, that becomes the set point. Mm. Yeah. Amazing. On the morning calls, you've been very clear and open about your relationship with your husband and how you had a near-divorce experience despite being high school sweethearts. I would love for you to share your story, how you turned your marriage around through the art of having difficult conversations. Whoa. So first of all, we were college sweethearts. I was 17 when I met him, so you could think high school, but I went to college at 17. What? Um, So I I did see him for the first time when I was 17, and he first saw me. But we didn't start dating till I was, I think, 18. Yeah, 18 and he was 19. So our near divorce experience happened many years later when we were in our young or mid-20s, maybe even late 20s. We had already had a lot of life together, had established a lot of you know bad patterns, and had two young children, had financial troubles, had real estate debacles, uh, were under a lot of high stress, and really came to the point where you know, I had to actually face that he was, you know, he was ready to be done with me. (laughs) And I had to face that I didn't want to be done. And, and when I went into coaching, of course, I had to write a dream. I had to write a dream about my love life. And I wasn't even asking for help with my love life. (laughs) And it made me extremely um, sober, you could say about how far I was from my ideal. Now, tell me your specific question again. Um, how you turned everything around with the through the art of having difficult conversations. Great, great. I was I guess it's a long story. I want to make sure I get to your point. <laughs> so the first difficult conversation I had with him was a really fun and simple one, which was, hey, I wrote this dream. 
Can I read it to you? Can you help me understand why we don't have this? Right. That was one of the first difficult conversations. And that was so poignant and so helpful. It was a, it was in fact a total turning point because he shared with me what was actually in the way. It wasn't what I thought it was. He explained that my constant interrupting was so completely um, disabling to him and to his communication. He said he had stopped trying to communicate with me years before. So in that moment, I had this moment of truth where I decided that the outcome of that difficult conversation, which is one of the steps, right, to come up with a solution, is, you know, I would stop interrupting him. <laughs> and I even promised him that for every time I interrupted him, he would he would get a minute of a blowjob. Right? He would actually, like, get something in return for putting up with my bad habit. And that was amazing because it started to train me not only to just stop and listen and get to know this man. I had been with for so long, but it also put my mouth to good use. I, I it, it rekindled our intimacy. It it made me much more, you know, present to the kind of relationship I wanted to have. We had stopped having sex. You know, we were not being friendly. We were not being romantic. You know, there was a lot of stuff that was really out of alignment. And so that simple, difficult conversation and the outcome of it, the outcome where I uh, decided, concluded to listen and to use my mouth for better things. Um, and then to rekindle our sex life, those two, you know, seemingly simple changes of behavior that came out of that conversation changed everything for the better. And truly, and I think it's been 15 years since we were about 10 years in at the time, it's been 15 years since, and it's never gone back, never gone back to anything like it was before. It's just profoundly better and it keeps getting better and better. Wow. That's such a good story. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Um, so wait, so so you would like tally all the times that you would interrupt him and then Literally. he would get X amount of time, like what, per week? <laughs> he, would, he could cash in whenever he wanted. It was a, pub, a public tally and he could cash in whenever he wanted. And you know what the saddest thing was? This is when I really realized what a jerk I had been when he said he'd rather me listen. Like he didn't even want that consequence he would rather me listen. And then I even, and, and I learned, of course, from doing that generous sexual act that I actually should be doing that anyway, like to do that. You know, it shouldn't be a consequence. It should be part of a fun and varied sex life. And so now my consequence is if I interrupt him, because 15 years later, I still need a consequence to keep me in check. Um, I assume your listeners are familiar a little bit with Handel Group because I'm not the first person to, to come on. Right. So, so um, now to this day, I still have the consequence of I do one of his chores if, if I interrupt. So it just keeps me present and keeps me remembering to behave the way in which I'd like to. Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> I love that. What was your journey like from before being a coach at the Handel Group to becoming certified? I always wanted to help the world. I always wanted to make a difference. I always wanted to work from home. I always wanted to, you know, be around like-minded people and be pushed. So I was actually running a tutoring company with my brother and we were providing educational support to students. And what I found was that I always wanted to talk to the parents. The parents would complain to me about the kids. The kids would complain to me about the parents. And I felt like there was so much more I could do to help in ways that really mattered more than French and SATs in my mind <laughs> mattered more than that. And I just, so I just knew I wanted to do something and I didn't know 
what? In fact, life coaching really barely existed back then. Handel Group barely existed back then. But Lauren existed, Lauren Handel Zander. And she looked like she was having the life I wanted. So I actually hired her for career coaching because I wanted to figure out how to make the business better and then also how to transition. And I earnestly, and I, I coach people in this all the time, Allie, I earnestly did my homeschool grad school, right? I did my study about what it is I should do with my life. I call it the, what the fuck am I going to do with my life course? And it takes six hours a week and you are the student and also the teacher and also the curriculum developer and also the TA and also the admissions officer and also the financial aid officer. You, you are all the roles of your homeschool and you're in grad school studying what you want to do. And I went through the whole Handel method process of inquiring into what I wanted, found a lot of things I didn't want, but really was focused and then magically at a certain point, just as I was falling so deeply and madly in love with this method, the person who was running the life coaching division at Handel Group unexpectedly left her post and there was literally a role for president available. Now, just to give you a little more background, if you're interested, when we are coaching people on career, we have you brainstorm all the different ideas and then give it a rating, head, heart, and hoo-ha just like we do with dating. So head, does it make sense? Is it practical? Heart, are you connected to it? Does it make you feel good? And who hot? Does it turn you on? Is it cool? And I literally wrote in my assignment, life coach. That sounds like a quack. I would be embarrassed to tell anybody I do that. And then I wrote in little parentheses, but if I could do what you do, Lauren, I'd probably be pretty excited, right? So heart was a high rating. Head was a high rating. Hoo-ha was like a two. I couldn't pursue it. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't see how I was ever going to tell someone that's what I do for a living. So when the president position opened up, <laughs> that was a title that my hoo-ha could handle. <laughs> I thought that was sexy enough. Okay. And it turned out, you know, I was a president in my own company, you know, in my own company. And I was doing the same sorts of things, developing a small business, you know, managing clients, doing customer care, all the different things. So it was extremely easy to parlay my skills over to being an executive at Handel Group at that time. Now, I have none of the skills necessary to be an executive, but at the time we were tiny and I had all the right skills. So that magical opportunity arose for me, I believe, because I was pursuing with integrity, figuring out my path. And I have never looked back since. I've been thrilled to be part of the company. You know, I got trained very quickly as a coach while I was uh, taking over the company and, and running the company. And we just grew bit by bit over time. And my, my job has changed over time based on my abilities and desires and the needs of the company. That's so great. I love that. I think it's so amazing that when companies allow for that kind of growth within the company or change, you know, like if you've outgrown that role that they let you, you know, kind of take a look and see what else you'd rather do there. And I feel like Candel is really good at that. Totally. Well, the role outgrew me. I didn't outgrow the role. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, since we're practicing telling the truth, it just, you know, my skills didn't meet the requirements, my desires. It was no longer my dream. It really was not a match. And yeah, I agree. Handel Group is awesome. If, you know, if they find a good person or I'll just speak for myself, it was a good match. It was a really good match on a lot of levels. So it, it didn't, it doesn't matter that I changed titles, roles, you know, it, we're all on the same mission and 
And for sure, my coach and Lauren, who's the head boss, always wants to make sure the people in the company are, you know, living true to their dreams because that's a special sauce of the Handel method. We walk our talk. That's right. the difference between us and, and all the other things. So of course we have to, you know, model that in within our company. Yeah, that's amazing. I feel like it would be so respectable for all companies to, before they go to fire somebody, see, like, to have the conversation that maybe this isn't the role for them. Is there anything else that you would like to do or think you can do here? You know, I mean, I speak from experience. So <laughs> I just think that would be amazing. But I definitely get, you know, the not fitting into the role, but fitting into the company. I think that's a right. really relatable. So yeah. obviously, besides working there, how has the Handall Group coaching method changed your life? I mean, obviously, your relationship and your career, yes. but anything let's, else? Let's do body. Let's hit all three of the most important ones. Um, the Interestingly enough, I came for career coaching, which is, of course, the most socially acceptable topic to bring to coaching. Immediately, Lauren uncovered my relationship issues. And then immediately she uncovered my addiction to sugar and my obsession with food and my relationship with food. Let's call it my one true love. It's my joke. My one true love. My, my, my most primary relationship when we met was to sugar. And the first thing she did was have me design my relationship to sugar and to food and help me quit sugar very quickly, which I now do have sugar uh, on the weekends. But at the time, I really had to break up with it. I really had to learn to live on my own two feet and get my intimacy and my entertainment from my relationships my, um, and most primarily my husband. So, so for sure, I would say the main three principles of the Handel Method hit me right where I needed it. The, the principle of dreaming and really articulating what you want and having to tell the truth about that because I had just been ignoring my body completely just ignoring it, forsaking it, numbing it. I did not have a dream. The second is the mind, the mind management, right? Telling the truth about your excuses, telling the truth about your theories. My theory was I couldn't possibly be happy eating healthy. It was, I was completely linked to my happiness. The only thing that's fun is eating junk food. That's like the fun in my life. I have two little kids. I have finances, you know, financial issues. I've got a real estate debacle. I got a husband who doesn't like me anymore. Like what, what you're going to take away my cookies. Are you kidding me? So yeah, she's like, yeah, I'm taking away your cookies. Go Get a life. Yeah. Actually get a life, Lori. And, and she was right. So, so the thoughts and then finally the actions. So it was the first time in all the self-help I had done, which was so much self-help where someone said, this is how you're going to eat. You're going to report daily. If you break it, you lose your protein bar the next day, right? I had a very specific protein, fruits, vegetables, a little bit of whole grains. And if you break it, no, no protein bar the next day, which was like my only sugar substitute remaining. And suddenly I was able to keep a promise. Suddenly I was able to stay alert and remember what I had said I was going to do. And someone was watching. So I couldn't just slink out of it. So all three, right across the board, the food helped lead to the sex and intimacy, rekindling the relationship. That helped free me up so I could start to think about my career. So it was kind of a one, two, three domino effect. And that's why I said at the beginning, right, you have to do the diagnostic because you're going to want to go focus somewhere that's easy to focus. And you actually have to focus on the first domino and figure out what that first domino is so that it knocks down all the other ones in rapid succession, which is what happened, luckily for me. Luckily, because it was quick and indelible, 
unluckily, it took me about 15 years to find this method. So I went through a lot of stress and hardship before that. Yeah. Would you say that the body is generally the basic and the first thing that everybody needs to potentially work on? It's a really good bet because the cool thing about working on your body, number one is that when you get confident with your body, it helps so many other areas. It helps your confidence. It helps your sex life. It helps your dating. It helps your, um, your, your career. It helps your health, obviously, you know, so it helps. So, so it's just a good bang for the buck area to focus on. The other thing is it's just between you and yourself, right? It's you and your inner dialogue and your hand, you know, like it's just, there's just three constituents and you're in control of all of them. So it's a great place to start because it doesn't have that complexity of other people involved generally. Um, and there's just really no greater win than to be able to manage your mind. And that's what it is. It's managing your mind. The food is just the, you know, the canvas on which we're painting, but, um, but it's a great place to start. So I wouldn't say for sure across the board for everyone, but most people benefit tremendously from focusing on it. Right. Yeah. That makes so much sense. Um, you want to know an interesting story actually from, um, a chiropractor about sugar? Yes, please. My old manager at a chiropractic office, she worked before that at a different chiropractic office. And essentially this woman would come in every like Monday or Tuesday or so and would say, I'm in so much pain. She would be in so much pain in the same spot every week. And eventually the chiropractor was like, okay, this is not a muscular skeletal thing. Like what are you doing on weekends that you're not doing during the week? And she said, well, I don't eat sugar during the week, but I binge on the weekends. And she was like, Oh, your pancreas is running mm. at full speed that your it's your organs. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Not really. <laughs> but yes, I love it. And I love how we can just be like, what? You mean the body is reacting to what I'm doing? That's how I was. I, I literally, when Lauren asked me, well, you know, like you always have to answer what's the dream and then what's the current reality. I was like, you know, the dream is I'm fit, I'm toned, I'm graceful, I dance, I love my body, I love to go shopping. And the reality was like, I, I'm growing out of my mother's hand-me-downs. I'm a size 14. I feel like crap all the time. I'm exhausted. My skin is broken out. My stomach hurts. You know, and, but when she asked me why, it was like, because that's just the way my body is. Like hormones, you know, genetics. Like I couldn't even conceive that it might be that I was feeding myself things I'm literally allergic to all day. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. You still make the connection, right? It's when it's right in front of us. So it's it's remarkable. Definitely. It really is. So we're going to pivot a little bit. I'm curious what your relationship is like with spirituality and religion stemming from childhood to now. I love how you ask questions that could be like <laughs> two hour answers. <laughs> it depends who you ask. Really? I'm just like, I could talk about this for hours. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so religion and spirituality, two different things. Let's, let's take them one by one. So religion, I was raised casually Jewish, um, culturally Jewish. Um, and, and what I took away from Judaism was really, it's your responsibility to repair the world, to make the world a better place and some cool spiritual practices and some cool rituals and some cool songs and a lot of great community. And so I took a lot of great things from my religious upbringing, which was very unorthodox and non-fundamentalist. Um, which is why I wanted to pass that on to my children. Interestingly enough, I married the son of a Presbyterian minister who also had a similarly, you know, relatively positive and liberal religious upbringing, but he ended up converting to Judaism, reform Judaism. And we raised our children again, very 
eclectically Jewish. Let's call it eclectically Jewish. So that's religion. Um, I My relationship with religion at the moment is that I think it does a heck of a lot of harm on the planet, a heck of a lot, probably more harm than good. But because I have a positive association with mine, I take what I want from it, what I like from it, and I use it. So that's where I'm at about religion. Spirituality to me is about your relationship with something higher. So it could be nature, it could be God, it could be spirit, it could be spirits, it could be mother, uh, who knows, whatever you, whatever you're into. And I don't know how interesting it is to tell my own personal uh, journey with it because it's so specific to me. And I really, I really encourage people to be on their own journey specific to them regarding spirituality. But I will say Handel Method helped me tremendously with it. And the, the aspects of, again, the aspects of the method, the dreaming, right? Like to even have a dream. And at one point, my dream was to even believe in God. That was a dream I had. I, I didn't, if I'm being honest, I didn't, I don't really believe. I was raised by a, a, a mother who, you know, two parents who were culturally Jewish, but my father is a renowned, you know, a well-known to himself agnostic, you know, not, won't go as far as to say atheist. And my mother is sort of an interfaith, you know, spiritual person, right? So I did not have a clear God relationship instilled in me. And I had an amazing experience in studying my lineage and studying my history, which again, different for every person and, and coming to understand that I actually was in no way raised or, or set up structurally to have a profound relationship with God. And that at a certain point, I wanted one because given I want to teach the whole world how to tell the truth, I, I really can't do that without a lot. I just can't. I can't do it as one incredibly flawed mortal human being. <laughs> I just I absolutely need more backup than that, you know? And so in that, in that crazy paradox of realizing that I started to dream, I like a relationship with God. And then I started to deal with my mind and all the obstacles to that and all the beliefs I held from you know, because my smart agnostic father told me there is no such thing. And my mother believed in everything, but didn't define, you know, I had to really come up with my own concept. And again, very similar to how I had that job magic, the job appearing, God appeared, right? My, my conception of God appeared to me in a moment of surrender, in a moment of desire, in a moment of wanting something, articulating what I wanted, getting my mind out of the way, I had one of those moments, many, many God believing people have had them too, where God came to me as a best friend and, and I, I dubbed it besties, besties with God. Right. And I, um, I'll, okay. Since you're listening, I'm going to tell you the whole story. You really yes, want to know? Please. I don't think I've ever told this on a podcast before. <laughs> you heard it here first. You heard it here first people. This is Lori's very idiosyncratic relationship with God. So I was in a meditation. I was on this exact couch that I'm on right now. I was laying down and I was kind of praying for believing in God. Okay. And all of a sudden I have this insight that I don't want to believe in God because I'm competing with God. I want to do it myself. I don't want to need help. I'm a twin. I'm kind of competitive by nature. And I don't want to, I don't want to attribute my successes to God. I would like to take credit for the successes. Okay. So I have this insight and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm such an a-hole. Like that is <laughs> like, I will sell out on my God given dream to help the world because I would like all the credit. 
<laughs> little old me. Okay. So, so I have that insight, right? And then I go, okay, what if God is actually like your best friend and you're in cahoots and you play together and God gives you ideas and you give God ideas and you work and it's fun and it's like a slumber party and you're besties and you're just like, what are we going to do now? Okay. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, that's a way that there could be like an equality vibe, not like, oh, it's all you or, oh, it's all me or, you know, it's actually besties. Okay. And I, so I, I came up with this concept in my meditation of besties with God, like God's just my bestie. And then I had an experience of that, like a physical sensation energetic, you, whatever you want to call it, sensation of that visitation of that bestie. Okay. And from then on, I was done. I believe in God. <laughs> like mm. I, did, I, I got my dream and I have developed my relationship with God since then. And I don't believe it is static or has to stay one way, but I really, really, again, I use the hand down method. I dream something. I argued with my mind. I figured out what was at the root of my blockages. And then I made a plan like I'm gonna meditate on this I'm gonna pray for this I did my plan and then magic can happen because you're in alignment right did that physical experience happen in that moment of your meditation it did it did whoa yeah it was pretty cool it was it was yeah it was very similar to the job experience where when I clicked into alignment you know when I knew what I wanted I was clear what I wanted I was out of my own way I was taking the right actions that's what manifesting is, right? You, you deserve it to yourself, right? You deserve it to yourself. And then all I call it deserving it to yourself. Cause I don't think there's such a thing as deserving, but you deserve it to yourself. And then, and that's when then all the other powers that be kick in and serve you up, serve you up your dream. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm. Awesome. What are some examples of activities you do to enhance your well-being? I lay on this couch. <laughs> one of them. It's a really good one. It works really well. Uh, I would say one of the best, and I mean, everything in my life is designed, right? So really everything in my day pretty much is intentional towards something that's important to me. And so all of that enhances my well-being. When I do my morning call at 9am, that enhances my well-being. When I sleep at night, that enhances my well-being. When I have dinner with my family, that enhances my well-being. When I meditate, and I usually meditate twice a day, um, that enhances my well-being. Uh, how I eat enhances my well-being. How I drink enhances my well-being. So really everything, all my activities pretty much, sometimes I pick out on junk food. That does not enhance my well-being, but it sure is fun <laughs> in moderation. Um, I would yeah, argue I, that it enhances your well-being if you're does. only doing it in moderation and you're really enjoying yeah, it when you do. Yeah, I really don't want to, I don't want to pick out a particular activity. I, I really wish upon everybody that all their activities enhance their well-being, including doing the dishes, including the, the grunt work that you wish you didn't have to do. Yeah, that's nice. Actually, somebody recently shared with me that when they do the dishes, they're washing them in gratitude of having water to clean their dishes so their dishes can be clean for the next time that they eat. Mm. And I was like, that is beautiful. <laughs> I love that. Good one. Yep. Is there a daily or weekly habit that you have that is a non-negotiable in your lifestyle? So many. <laughs> so many. Um, Would you say that's because of promises and consequences? Well, just be yeah, because again, I've done the work to figure out what's important, what's most important. You can't do everything. You only have 24 hours in the day. 
and to design it into my life. But I would say like non-negotiables for me are, I always have to have a special time with my husband. So I live with my husband. I work from home with my husband, but we don't see each other a lot. I actually think it's part of our success, but I have to have, you know, a, a little mini slumber party every night with him, right? Just a little mini um, if we're traveling or we can't, you know, and it's only 10 minutes that I can make that work, but I need regular quality time with him. I need regular quality time with my kids. If I don't have enough of that, it really does impact my well-being. Obviously, you know, I mean, I was, it's funny because I think that sleep is negotiable for me. I always leave time for enough sleep, but I do, but subconsciously I find it to be negotiable, but I don't find time with those people to be negotiable. Um, and I don't find spiritual practice to be negotiable or exercise to be negotiable. I just think those are, you know, a hundred percent necessary for my well-being. Yeah, that makes sense. What is it you do that helps you through current challenges that you didn't have in your toolbox five years ago? What's so funny is about five years ago, I started dreaming of doing a daily event. And I thought, you know, I just would be so happy if I could do a daily event, right? Like it just makes me so happy to be with people, to know I'm helping, to have to get up and look nice and take a shower. And like, there's just so many things I love about having a daily event. But it was such a pipe dream alley. It was like, I was doing like one or two events a month, which was great and awesome. And I loved it, but I really dreamed that. And now I have it. <laughs> so every morning at 9am, I do a free call with the community and people come and they play and they, and they talk and oh my gosh. And I was just, I almost was in tears yesterday thinking like, oh, they think I'm helping them. They're helping me. It's such an amazing support during this challenge to be surrounded by high vibe people thinking high vibe thoughts. They're cheering me on as much as I'm cheering them on. So, you know, I would say that that is something that is helping me get through this current challenge that I did not have in my toolbox five years ago, but I did think of it. What do you do for fun with your off time? Well, I don't really like off time very much. I'll be honest. Um, but I'll also be honest and tell you what I generally do with my off time, as long as I am feeling good and I am at my weight that I like to be is I take a whole bunch of junk food. And I lay in my bed with Netflix and I eat it and I watch something. <laughs> and I find that to be so much fun. And I just check out because the truth is I'm really checked in most of the time, like really checked in. If I'm not checked in at work or, you know, helping an individual or a couple or a group or leading an event, I am with my kids, five, 15 and 17, or my husband who I love and I'm committed to obviously keeping it hot there. So I'm really, I've really got a full, a full, full, full life. And so when it's time to like, when nobody needs me for that few hours a week, I'm just like, I'm vegging, I'm reading a book or I'm watching TV and I'm enjoying my favorite sweet treats. Yeah. That sounds perfect. That's the truth. Well, lastly, Lori, is there anything you wish we spoke about, something I didn't ask or something intuitive that you would like to share? Is there anything I would like to share? No, I think you really covered, I mean, you got stories out of me. You really got stories out of me that nobody else has gotten out of me. So that's fun. <laughs> and, you know, I could talk about the handle method till the cows come home, but I'm sure people have picked up on that already from all the different people and from what you've been sharing with folks. So I think we can leave it at that. 
Yeah, this was really great. Thank you so much for being here and your time. I really appreciate it. I know you have a huge event to speak to so many people tomorrow, and that's so exciting. Best of luck on that. Break mm-hmm. a leg and and yeah, just Thank enjoy you. every moment of that. Oh, that's that's the goal. And may I tell people about their interview offer and special discount? Please do. So like I was saying at the beginning, in the past we have only offered private coaching, which has cost thousands and thousands of dollars. So now we have this amazing ability to offer coaching in a way that's affordable for everyone. And especially during pandemic times, we want this to be affordable for people. So we have two programs that you might be interested in, depending on what you're thinking about. One is interview life and one is interview love. And both have our comprehensive coaching program. So interview life covers everything on every topic that we ever do with our private coaching clients and interview love covers everything to do with love, sex, and dating. And the deal is that you can hear things that are inspiring, but if you don't put them into action and you don't have that accountability, you're not going to do anything about it. So that's what comes with these programs. You get all the exercises, you get the work that you have to do, you get a coach, you get a buddy, you get a group, um, and new groups are starting all the time to really hold you to account and make things change in your life. And what's so exciting is that it's self-guided, it's self-paced, you can do it as you wish, you can use your private coaching whenever you want. And you will stop repeating your old patterns if you do it. You will learn how to do things differently, how to do things in a way that gets you more of what you want in career, in body, and in love, specifically in those three. Those are the hot ones. So I'm sure you have in your show notes the special link that they can use. You should also know that what is normally a $650 program right now, if you're listening to this in the time of pandemic, right now it's actually half price. So it's only 325 bucks right now. And that includes private coaching, which is normally 250 bucks, even just for one session. So use your well and why discount. It's well and why 75 right now that will give you a whole 50% off on that program. So I say, use it while you can. I can't promise how long that will be going on, but that's an incredible deal for everything that you get in the package. Any questions about that? Well, you also the masterclass, right? Yes. So again, depending on when you listen to this, different masterclasses will be available. So again, free with that $325 one-time tuition, in addition to all the content, you also get these classes. It's called a masterclass and it goes by video back and forth. It's interactive. It's once a week for six weeks. The next one happens to be starting May 6th. So depending on when you're listening to this, that may or may not be relevant to you, but another one will open up and then another and then another and you can keep doing them for the rest of your life and hanging with the community and being coached and being supported. So again, the value of that for 325, it's crazy. Yeah. So so it's a really really we're so proud to be able to make it accessible to people. Yeah, we're so grateful for Yay. that too. Honestly. Yeah. Thank you so much. And where can we find you? How can we support you? Best way to find me is Lori Gerber underscore coach at Instagram, Lori Gerber underscore coach, exactly as it sounds, L-A-U-R-I-E-G-E-R-B-E-R underscore coach. Um, There you'll see all the info on the free calls. Um, You'll see my TEDx talk. You'll see all the fun stuff there. But really the morning calls and the the, um, master classes and interview are are the most fun places to play because we're really getting work done there. Yeah, come join us. Well, thank you so much, Lori. This was so much fun and really good luck tomorrow. And thank you. I really appreciate your time. 
Welp, that is a wrap, folks. Thank you, thank you, thank you, as always, so very much for listening and tuning in, sharing with us your time and your attention. I know it is precious. Lori, thank you so much. This was such a fun conversation to have. I've appreciated you more than I can even, you know, explain in words with having those group calls every day for months. It was just, I'm, I truly just don't, know where life would have taken me if I didn't have that kind of accountability and that kind of community. That's really what it was all about was the community. So thank you so much for that. I also wanted to shout out Vernon's book. It's called The Seven Laws of Mindful Living, A Soul Manual. It just came out on Amazon last week, I believe. It goes for $14.99 on Amazon for a paperback or $4.99 on the Kindle. Uh, Vernon, I'm so proud of you. You're killing it. You've literally just taken this quarantine and squashed it in your own hands. (laughs) I don't know why that's what I pictured, but I'm tired and maybe feeling a little violent. Speaking of anxiety and violence, I wanted to also mention Soul CBD gummies. I will link it in the show notes as well. I have a link for you. I'm really not sure what I get for this, if anything, but I do have a link Uh, I've never really talked about it or shared about it all that much because I didn't take their products very often. However, as of late, I've been really enjoying their CBD gummies and I take one at a time. I just pop it in there. I have raspberry flavor. It's delicious. Uh, There's also a vanilla coconut, I believe. And I think when I'm feeling a little crazy one day, I'll try that one. But I'm really enjoying the raspberry. It always just makes me feel a little more neutralized when it comes to my energy and my reactions. So that's something that I'm really enjoying about it. Is it, I feel as though my reaction time is just better. You know, you know that whole thing about like being like to react versus respond. I feel like I feel more responsive versus reactive. So I think that's what I'm going to go with for now. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank goodness for those. Those are linked as well. Uh, I think that's a wrap. Yeah. All right. We're wrapping up. <laughs> And I really missed you guys a couple weeks ago when I took the week off to be in Colorado for my cousin's wedding. So I hope you didn't miss me so much. (laughs) All right, I think I'm getting delusional and tired. But thank you, everybody. I love you and I appreciate you. And until next time, ta-ta for now.